Welcome to Your Family Dog, a podcast dedicated to helping families love living with dogs. Hi, welcome back to Your Family Dog. Today, I am joined, of course, with Tina Spring, and we decided that we're going to talk about very soft resolutions, ones that we might actually be able to achieve in the new year. And the idea being is how can we resolve to make things a little bit easier for families? And in particular, how can we make things easier for mom or dad? But, or dad. Or dad. Because, right. you know, we can be equal opportunists in trying to make things easy on people. But the vast majority of families we've encountered, perhaps it's the mom who is more of the organizer of people, places, and things, and maybe she's the one that perhaps needs a little bit more support. So with that in mind, Tina had a question from a client today that we thought could use we could use as a springboard for our discussion. So Tina, what did your client ask you this morning? So the, the request I got this morning was from a mom. This one happened to be a mom. It can totally be a stay-at-home dad, too. I get those. Uh, and she was talking about how the eight-month-old puppy is basically golden during the day when it's her, right? Like, they have a routine. It goes really smoothly. The pup, like, she goes out and throws the ball partway through the, you know, mid-afternoon, early afternoon. The puppy has a nice lunch. Like, they have this, they have this kismet relationship during the day. And then dun, 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 the eight-year-old comes home, right? And suddenly the dog's sideways, she's sideways, the child is sideways, right? And it all just kind of goes sideways. Um, And so one of the things we, she, so her email was like, I'm not sure a dog trainer can help because the problem is not the dog. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, great, yes, I can still help. Right. So I'm going to use an example from my past life, not my current life, that um, that I think my situation was more mayhem filled than most. So perhaps it will speak to the vast majority of of the listeners. So um, in a previous life, when I was married, um, we were foster parents. And at one point we had a sibling group of three at a time when we owned personally nine dogs. That's a lot of dogs. That is a lot of dogs. If one day we can have a whole conversation about the epiphany I had about owning that many dogs, but everybody was really well trained and really well behaved and lovely. So it was, it was pretty great. What was not pretty great was when three kids who needed me in really, really different ways all hit the door, getting off the school bus at exactly the same moment, arguing with each other plus nine dogs. That was not awesome. And so what I learned really quickly was that I needed a plan. Like I checked book bags at about six o'clock in the evening so that I found out about the surprise, you know, 27 dozens of cupcakes I need tomorrow. I learned that I needed to preempt when things were going to be problematic so that I could manage the mayhem so that I enjoyed the kids coming home instead of getting tense about that. I wasn't spending all of my time telling everyone to stop what they were doing, sit down and be quiet. 
<laughs> which is it a is real that. temptation. And and for some reason, three kids and nine dogs don't necessarily listen to that command. The sit down and no. be quiet and behave yourself command. No, and and that doesn't even talk about the four cats who don't listen to anything. So, so who take I that want... actually as an invitation to stand up and cause more mayhem. If you right, want me to do Yeah, right. So yeah. Right. So so what I did was I start it was super predictable. Like I find that more and more in life is at least a little bit predictable, right? My seven-year-old got off the bus and he needed to run and then he was going to be quarrelsome. So then he needed a snack <laughs> and then he needed a nap and then we could do homework. If we, if I tried to do it in any other order, it didn't serve him and it just led to a really frustrating afternoon and evening of him, you know, being mad at his siblings. So what I did was I just deconstructed it all. Right. And I thought, okay, if, if there's not enough of me in that moment, or if I find that I'm fussing all the time, I need to change how we're doing it. So for me, that meant that, so my kids got off the bus at 2.22. That's what time they hit the door. So at about 2.10, I had an alarm set. My dogs would go out and potty. And then everyone would go in their crates with part of their normal ration of food frozen in a Kong. Good idea. So they were happy and settled in their crates before the door opened. So that I could, I could just greet these kids and the dogs were out of it. I didn't have to worry that the terrier was going to run out of the door. Nobody was jumping on anyone else. If the kids brought home an extra child, which they occasionally did... I didn't have that surprise in front of me with nine dogs because invariably that child was afraid of dogs. It just made it all simpler. Just backing everything up and going, okay, how do I handle one hazard at a time? Right, right. Because, you know, one hazard at a time is, is one hazard enough. I find it's kind of like, I don't, I don't need multiple hazards. But I think most of the time... I know I maybe everybody who's listening to us is just better at life than I am. But for me, I kind of got stuck in the rut of this is how we what we do versus pulling back and going, okay, if I had a magic wand and I could make this to go better, what different options could I put in there? Like, what are five different ways to to help the dogs be managed so that I can focus on whatever I need to focus on in that moment? And then train the dogs, teach the dogs to be accepting of those management skills. I know when I'm talking to a family that's going to have a child, one of the biggest things that I think families struggle with is having their dogs separate from them a little bit. Yes. Whether that's behind a gate or in a crate or in a playpen or on a tether or whatever. I, I would agree. How, I would agree yeah, with that. And, and I don't know how anybody does it without their dog being fluent in that skill. Right. So I talk to people all the time. Like they call me and go, hey, the egg and the sperm just met and there's kismet. And I'm like, let's start separation. So that because there are just times as a parent where it all goes sideways and you have to be able to get the dog out of the situation and not have the dog yelling at you about that. Right. Well, in fact, I had a client yesterday who has three children and a seven month old uh little dog who's just terrific love the little dog 
But the same kind of thing. One of the things that I pulled out for her, and we can put a link to it on the website, is um, success stations from Family Paws Education Center about crates and gates and tethers. And yeah. saying, I said, now, if you notice, in each one of these scenarios, it's not like this is not social isolation. This is not um, the dog is being punished, and so we're going to put you in isolation, and you need to think seriously about what you did and write an essay on it. No, this is putting a dog behind a crate or in a crate or behind a gate or on a tether with something that makes them happy. And in the picture, each one of those dogs has a stuffed Kong and they're happily settled on it. So that was one of the things I, I mentioned to her was, you know, there could be times that you, like maybe the kids want to play a board game on the floor. Well, the dog needs to know how to sort of be in the room, but not be in the room. And so right. you can do various things, but the, it's not, but you also have to provide for the happiness of the dog so that this is something that they don't have to, you know, file a brief on because um, there's been a gross injustice in my life and um, I'm going to have to take you to court to, you know, to sue over this. No, you want this to be something that they welcome. So that's going to require a little bit of practice and also a little bit of thinking because so many of these houses today have really open floor plans. And so they're like, I can't put a gate up, but you could put an X pen up. Right. And that's, so one of the things that I think is hugely different between when my career started now or then and now is that we have really open yes. plans now. Makes a very big, that's right. It makes a really big difference. If you live in a house it, like mine, it, which is 140 years old, you have a lot of doorways. That doesn't mean that doors close, but you have a lot of doorways. <laughs> So 140-year-old so, yeah, doors so, don't always close. So having options, in my experience, makes for less mayhem. Absolutely. Right? So, And I also constantly counsel people, don't try to train the behavior while the vomiting is happening, right? Or while everyone <laughs> has the flu. Or while the child is screaming because they're cutting a tooth. Like, that's a terrible time. You're not, what? No, that doesn't work that way, right? Like, we train the behavior and you know all those beautiful times when you're home with the dog and your child is somewhere else that's when we work on separation that's right. when we teach it when we have the bandwidth so like life can be made significantly better by some loose meal planning right mm -hmm. having some things in the freezer that you can always just pop in the crock pot and warm up and life's good. You have bandwidth back because your day went sideways. Same thing. Like we can behaviorally do that with our dogs. So we talk about the same stuff all the time, basically because the same stuff works all the time. Like <laughs> a stuffed frozen Kong rocks. Right? It and does. The kids can help with that. Right. The kids can help with that. Having some chew toys that aren't super extra special, but that are in rotation. They're not all out all the time. Right. So that today, you lucky dog, you get to chew on a Nylabone. And tomorrow, it's the Benabone. And, you know, the next day, it's a water buffalo horn. Woohoo! Right? Mm -hmm. They're super excited because they're like, water buffalo horn? I haven't seen that in three days. I wondered where that got off to. All of those things are super helpful. We just, sometimes we're so stick, stuck in the middle of the mess that we just, we don't take the time to go, okay, what are five different things we can do? So you named some, right? We've got the crate, we've got gates, we've got a playpen, we've got a tether in the house. 
I'm a huge fan of teaching a dog a settle mat exercise, right? Now that does take yes. quite a bit of proficiency from the dog. That takes some building in, right? Um, but it's not difficult. And so I can hear it. Like I can hear all these people in their car going, okay, little smarty pants dog trainer. Well, your dog doesn't have separation anxiety. Your dog knows how to do that already. So how do we do that? So let me talk about, and I'll use um, an exercise pen or, or a gate as an example. I, I take the dog's breakfast and I stand on one side of the playpen wall and the dog is inside the playpen wall and I rapid fire them kibble one at a time. And when we finish that meal, I let the dog out. Okay. I like that. And then I, and then they, I, I might cut up some baby carrot and put the dog in the playpen, 10 pieces of baby carrot and out you come. And I'm going to do that until when I head toward that playpen, the dog is throwing a parade. <laughs> Yay. We're going to the playpen the, you don't train this behavior by shoving the dog in the playpen and then leaving and going to Toledo. Like that's not how you do this. That's how you build separation anxiety. I'm just going to teach a dog like, Hey, while I'm sitting here working on my laptop, you're going to be in the playpen and I'm going to randomly throw you pieces of your lunch while I'm working. The dog learns to settle out. So if your dog doesn't chew on a bed, they have a nice cushy dog bed to lay on. By the way, totally digging those anxiety beds. I don't know why they work. I just know they do work. Right? Dog All right, hang on. Um, you might want to explain the anxiety bed because not everyone will have heard of it, including moi. I don't know what you're talking about. I haven't oh, seen an anxiety okay. bed. Are they new? So, I'm assuming they're new. So, so I don't know that they're new. I think they just started calling them something new. So they're those round donut overstuffed shag covered. Uh-huh beds like donut bed it is i have no idea why it works i have no idea why it works but it works the our dogs love them like terrier who was screaming constantly is like if you need me i'll be curled up in my in my bed so um we'll put a link for those on the website yeah th there's a bunch of different manufacturers i don't think the manufacturer matters um, I did with a really anxious dog, I added pheromone. So I sprayed the bed with pheromone, waited 15 minutes and then introduced it to the dog to just kind of front load. But yeah, I've been stunned and we're right, right now, my largest dog who never lays in a bed is laying in the anxiety bed with the pug and the cat. Wow. They're all laying in a giant anxiety bed. The other day, Christopher said we could throw away all of the other dog beds because, and they don't seem like they would be super comfortable. I don't know. I don't know what to say. They, it just works. Wow. So there, there's supposed to be some, it's like laying down with their mom kind of thing going on. I don't, I don't, I, I honestly don't care. I just care that it works. Okay. And I don't know that it would work for every dog, but it's, it's working for ours. And we have some majorly anxious knuckleheads in this house. I'm thinking about laying in the anxiety bed. Sign me up. Sounds great. <laughs> cuddle me, please. Yes. So they're sometimes called cuddled beds. Okay. Now that I think that. So, all right. So I, I am doing a whole setup where I'm inducing the dog to relax and have a pleasant experience. And I'm right. going to do really short exposures to that. And sometimes 
I'm pulling the dog out of the situation before they're ready. They're like, no, 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 it's nice in here. Like I was digging, chilling out, chewing on my bed, laying on my bed, chewing my bony. Why are you bothering me? And I'm like, oh, sorry. Exercise pen time's over. They're like, what? Yeah, always no, leave a wanting more is, is the whole theory right. here. Well, I right. was thinking about when you were talking about um, settlements. One of the things that when um, during my self-imposed quarantine for a week when I was waiting for my COVID test to come back, which was negative, um, I decided, well, by golly, I can take that seminar I've been thinking about taking and didn't think I could because it conflicted with a client, but now it doesn't. And that was on um, using MAT training for behavior modification. And one of the things that she was talking about that I've been working on a lot with clients is um, having a mat. Now, she suggests when you're starting to train this that you have a mat that doesn't have any edges, you know, that's just flat. So it's easy for the dog to step onto the mat. We're not tripping over edges of beds or anything else. And so one of the things that I recommend for people is you get a rubber-backed bath mat because you can put that down. You can roll it up and take it with you wherever you go with the dog. So the dog always has its mat. You can put it on any surface and it's not going to move. So the dog can run over and jump on the mat and not go surfing across the kitchen. So there's a lot of reasons why I like it. Besides that, then if we have any kind of leakage at somebody's house, it stays on the mat, doesn't seep through to their floor or carpeting or whatever. So you put the mat down and you train the dog to go to bed or go to mat, whatever you want to call it. But the key here that I thought was really interesting is not only do you teach the dog to lay down on the mat, but then what you start doing is clicking and rewarding or marking, if you don't use a clicker, mark and rewarding signals that the dog is actually relaxing. So for example, if the hits shift or they stretch out or the head goes down or they yawn or they kind of, you know, move and look like they're starting to settle in, you click and treat. Every time you get a relaxation response, you click and treat. So the dog learns to associate the mat with relaxing. And you do this in short little intervals. And between then, you kick the mat up so that it continues to remain a strong cue for relaxation. So she showed this video of this dog who, after only two training sessions, it was just spastic when it heard the doorbell ring. They pulled out the mat, put it down. The dog laid down went, <sighs> and just totally relaxed. And so I really like that if you can train your dog to go, that the mat means I get to lay down and relax. And having the mat become then the cue for the dog to relax. And then when you pick the mat up and it's not laying out all the time, it keeps that cue strong. So that the mat means relaxation. So I think that that's important. But the other element is, and this is why Colleen's book is also so wonderful, because she doesn't take the, oh, you just have to train the dog, or you just have to train the kids. Um, a client I was talking to yesterday, one of the things she was talking about is how the, the dog um, will be settled in her arms asleep in the afternoon, and the kids will, it will grumble at the kids because they want to play with it and he wants to nap. And so one of the things we talked about is how can we have, when the kids get home from school, how can we have appropriate playtime with the dog? And so I gave her several suggestions on, on games that her kids can play with the dog. And then also, too, to teach all of them, what are the hints the dog's saying I've had enough, which we've talked about before. The dog may be playing, and then I'm like, okay, I don't want to play fetch with, the, with this toy. I'm going to wander off and, and chew on, he's got a bunny. I mean, the bunny is three times the size of this dog, but it's got this bunny. 
And so I'm going to go and like eat the ear off of Mr. Bunny because he's giving me smack, man. Um, that means that we are not interested really in playing, but let's go out and go potty and then get in our crate and take a nap. So just teaching them, I think part of it is just helping people understand the cues that your dog is giving you that says, hey, I'm, I'm kind of done with this activity, would like to move on to the next one, which may be either eating or napping, but it's not really playing with you right now. And so I think it's really important to understand that why we want to teach the dog how to relax behind a gate or a crate or whatever, it's also important to recognize when the dog is signaling to us, I'd like to be behind the gate or in my crate or, um, you know, I've, I've had enough. I want to play with you, but not this moment. And, and she's got three lovely children. And I was saying, you know, one of the things you can talk about it is to your kids is make them understand that just like you don't always want to play Battleship with your brother, your dog does not always want to play this game with you. And so I think that part of it is, is helping moms understand that it's okay to help to set limits on everyone. It's okay to say, I think the dog's had enough today. We'll probably want to play more later. For now, let's let him do his thing and you and I will do something. And I think just giving people permission to say, enough's enough right now. And not in a, not in a bad way, but just we've had enough and or he's had enough and this is and this is why I know he's telling me this because he's saying or he's doing this this and this so i think sometimes people need the freedom to say not right now yeah and and honestly we our energy is a finite thing so so is our dogs and and one thing i will say about covid-19 is that i think it's manifested my customers better understand when I talk about chronic stress <laughs> than they did perhaps before. Yes, I think you're absolutely because, right about that. Because it takes up kind of a baseline of um, our bandwidth, right? Where, you know, I don't know, maybe previously I had one gigabyte of bandwidth. Now I have like none. So the for our dogs just the fact that we're all home more or the change in season, right? It's cold outside for those of you, you know, who live in colder climates. Although I'm here in Georgia, it's 61 degrees and I'm wearing flannel line jeans because I'm freezing. Um, there, there's all those changes are going to impact the dog. Plus, our dogs need way, way, way more sleep than we do. And adolescent puppies do not self-regulate in my experience, like maybe Mastiff puppies, but the re maybe the giant breed puppies where you have to like wake them up to feed them. But the, but your average five month old Brittany Spaniel puppy doesn't think it ever needs to sleep. Yeah. Right? Kind of like, kind of like a three-year-old child. Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, right? they, they actively fight sleeping. So simple stuff like, having one crate in, you know, the back bedroom that no one goes in and one crate in the main part of the house so that you can put the puppy in the back bedroom or the dog in the back bedroom and turn music on loud enough that they don't hear anything else happening in the house. They don't know whether you're home or not giving them something yummy to chew on and saying, go be by yourself for a couple of hours is a huge win. 
sometimes I think we're so mired in how we're doing it that we forget to pick our heads up and look at how we could do it differently. And these really teeny tiny changes can manifest really big holistic change in how difficult or easy it all is. And it's difficult. Like our dogs are changing all the time and so are our kids. And if, you know, however old your oldest child is, that's all new for you too. The youngest, you've been through these developmental stages. Before. Yes, but but usually what happens, at least in my family, is is I finally remember one time looked at my older daughter and said, "You are worthless to me because nothing you have done has prepared me for your sister." Because, <laughs> because your sister is just the completely opposite spectrum from you. So thanks for Next that. Next week on your family talk, <laughs> we'll be discussing how. <laughs> Julie's oldest child needs lots of therapy for not being good enough. So, well, she knew I was joking, but the thing is, is, no, is that, is that, you know, what Ellie and Emma are just so very different that uh, you know what I did for Ellie was not necessarily going to work for Emma. Rarely, if ever, worked right. for Emma. And and I but think if, also too to remember, hey, like if, but if you had kept trying to put Emma in the Ellie box, that would not have ended well for you or for Emma. Right. right. Finding Emma's way, the the way that Emma needed support was really different. And that was an, an, an important epiphanal moment for all of you because it made it created ease where there would not have been if we were trying to stuff a child in the wrong box. The the same thing. Well, Emma, Emma would have box. refused to be stuffed in, in any box other than the Emma box. There will be no box. There will be no box only except <laughs> only the Emma box. There's no other box would possibly work for Emma. Well, but she's lovely. So I mean, I, I adore I her, but sure that there's, uh, I think there's a Julie box that only works for Julie. Like, I'm not sure that that particular apple didn't bang on the tree on the way down. So, yes. so the reality is that our kids were require a tremendous amount of flexibility of us. They're constantly changing. The dog is actually faster, right? The, all of those changes, a lifetime of change happens in a shorter lifetime. Right. So the, the good news is that that means that things can improve faster. It also means things can go sideways more quickly. So um, I think I'm a big fan of just some very basic strategies that work for the dog. So for example, um, while we've been on this call, my management strategies adjusted. So first the dogs were all napping in the living room. Then they decided that that wasn't working for them anymore. So they wanted to go outside. So we took a break and everybody went outside, including the terrier who's dragging a one gallon empty jug because he'll try to escape the fence and the jug <laughs> keeps him in the fence. At least long enough for me to catch him. Then we had another bit of insanity happen. So everybody decided that they wanted to come inside. So the right now, the management that is going so that I can do this call without there being insanity is the terriers in a cuddle bed in his playpen. Marco, the seven-year-old, is laying in a spot of sun by the back door. And then there's a gate and the other two dogs, because the pug who's deaf annoys Marco, Jack and the pug are in the living room laying in the other cuddle bed with a barrier between them and Marco. All so that I can be on a podcast recording. <laughs> now, if someone rings the doorbell, it'll just, it'll all come apart at the seams. But there's a lot of management 
for four adult, basically well-behaved dogs so that I can have peace and quiet to do a podcast recording for an hour. Right. Right. Um, and I was I just thinking when you were talking about that, like Zuzu right now is curled up behind me on a, I had dropped a sweatshirt on the ground behind nice. my chair. So she's on my sweatshirt because I have to be closer. And Clementine has occupied the new chair in my office, which I strategically put a blanket on so that it wouldn't get coated with um, clumber hair. So right now, everybody's snoozing happily in their respective spots in my office. But you're right. Once again, somebody knocks on the door and, and you know. We'll, we'll stop the call and edit and whatever. So, the, but even right now, if somebody rang the doorbell, only two of my dogs can be, like, everybody's going to bark, but we're not going to have a dog fight because Jack and the pug are not going to argue over somebody at the front door. Right. And Marco and the terrier are physically separated here in this space. So, yes, everyone would bark and there would be lots of mayhem and foolishness, but we would still have safety covered. Right. Right. We'd have that taken care of. We're not going to have a dog fight over that. We're not going to have anybody get hurt. Um, not that we have dog fights very often, but it, it can happen. And usually when I'm distracted. So. Of course, that's what, that's exactly when things would happen. I, I just remember my mother would get on the phone and that's when my brother would decide to lock me in the basement, right? Or, um, <laughs> or you know, the same thing with, you know, my girls. I would get on the phone and suddenly like, now, this is when you choose to do this is now. And uh, I think, I think our dogs, sometimes I wonder if they don't strategically plan this. Mom has to concentrate on something. So I think that would be a really, really good time to figure out how to open her closet and get her brand new pair of tennis shoes out. That would be a really right. good time to do that. So building in some what to do with the dog when you need to focus on something else. Even if that focus on something else is you sitting and drinking a cup of tea mm -hmm. and catnapping in the chair for 15 minutes before the kids get off the bus. Like, I'm down with that plan. Oh, me I'm too. Me that, too. Right? Um, one of my customers called me this week. This is, so we're recording this before Christmas, but one of my customers who I adore, Valerie, I don't even know if she listens to the podcast, called me this week and was saying, we were just talking about kind of where we are emotionally with everything right now. And she said, if you were a bus right now, your little placard that lights up and adjusts says temporarily out of service. <laughs> and I thought that's, that's fantastic. So this week I have been mindful about like, just taking, even if it's 15 minutes, to sit on the sofa and be temporarily out of service for just 15 minutes and do nothing, right? Now, usually that results with me having a dog laying on me. So if you're my Facebook friend, you see that over and over, a picture of temporarily out of service, terrier style or pot cake style or whatever. But even just that, like we forget, and, and this is where I am going to pick on moms because I don't know. I I see that dads are better at this. Yes, dads I would agree. Dads seem to just be better at carving out time for themselves, even if it's the spending an hour and a half taking a poop. Like, they're <laughs> really good at that. <laughs> my legs fall asleep I'd never be able to walk again. But, but my experience is that guys are just better at this, where we women, I see manifested over and over again in my, my practice, they just keep going even though they're exhausted, even though they're worn out, even though they're overwhelmed, because everybody needs them. Where 
taking that 15 minute breather fills us up a little bit to be able to do that next thing. Right. Maybe go, okay, well, is the world going to end if I don't sweep the kitchen this minute? Right. And maybe I'll just order pizza for dinner. No, I, you know, like there are worse things. There are worse things than going, we're just, I'm not, I'm tired and we're not doing all the crazy today. Right. Which is one of the reasons why I think it's really important to have some of those other strategies in place so that, Especially if you can't during the day take those 15 minutes. If you have a strategy for when you know chaos is about to visit so that the dogs are, um, you know, happily ensconced in a crate with a Kong when the kids come home from school or that you know that each child needs something like this child needs a snack right away. So the snack's already on the counter. So when we walk in and we drop the bag, the snack is there and waiting for that child. The other one maybe needs to just, you know, throw himself down on the couch for a while, you know, so you make sure the couch is clear. So just sort of having this plan, the idea like, okay, what is it that I know about my kids? What is it that I know about my dogs? That I can just make these tiny little adjustments so that things are a little bit less stressful will be really helpful. And then, you know, then if you can get that extra 15 minutes of out of service time, then you're really going to be prepared to tackle those challenges that come in your day. Well, and if you're feeling like you don't have that 15 minutes, I can give you pointers, right? Like stuff three Kongs instead of one. It takes about the same amount of time. And now you have two in reserve for when you need them, right? When you really don't have that 15 minutes. So some of it is, um, saying, okay, I'm going to train the dog lazy. I'm going to give the dog a stuffed frozen Kong in the playpen sitting next to me while I'm helping with homework. Mm -hmm. Right. So the dog's still included, but the dog's not off chewing up the tennis shoes in the back bedroom. Right. Right. And we're teaching the dog how to be in the playpen that good things happen when we're doing that. Like management is very slow training. It is. And it's and it's not untraining, which I think is actually more important. Like it's not the dog learning what not to do. So um, my kids loved being able to grab a Kong and put a dog in a crate when they wanted to play on the floor and they didn't want the Doberman laying in the middle of everything because he was very good at being in the middle of the Candyland game. Um, and he, he wasn't destructive. He wasn't going to be quarrelsome with them he just wanted to be in the middle of the game right right right. no 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 i'm a black dot put the things on the black dot (laughs) (laughs) i have i have a great picture of actually my last flat coat bingley playing twister with my daughter and in her boyfriend and and it's really funny because if you look they have supposed like the right the right hand on yellow he's got his right paw right front paw on yellow and so it, depending on the game, can depend whether or not you're actually invited to play. Twister might right. not be a bad do- game for a dog to play. Candyland, Monopoly, not so much. It's kind of hard. Well, so Gus was funny because he used to get dealt into card games, and the, each child would alternate wh- when they were going to play Gus's hand. So it didn't. So Gus didn't have a really good strategy. <laughs> yes, he, his strategy was constantly changing how to play the game. But but he would totally joyfully lay there going, look at how cute all these kids are and that we're we're playing a game together. So so just I my hope for 2021 is we all get a little bit of ease 
right? a little Get bit of temporarily out of service. Yes. <laughs> yes. So I think I'm starting to think that sometimes being temporarily out of service, I'm going to have to actually schedule that. So I was telling Julie for the, for the last two years, it's been definitely a practice of only working six days a week. And I think for 2021, I'm going to try to work five. Now, hopefully that doesn't manifest as me working five 20 hour days. That would be bad. Um, And I'm sure that I will be boldly imperfect, that there will be weeks that I work seven days, right? But if I can have a little bit of a plan and a process that puts ease in my day so that, I mean, my long-term goal would be that when Christopher comes home, he and I get to actually talk and that I'm not finishing up the, the extra nine things. Right. So, you know, maybe this whole podcast was me being completely selfish and thinking in terms of, okay, how do I front load options so that there's some ease so that I can more clearly focus on what I'm doing so that I get it done efficiently so that I have more ease later. Right. And so that I don't burn out. I mean, the last thing we want is for Tina Spring to burn out on dog training because we need you desperately. But I think what you were talking about, temporarily out of service. What happened in 1993? (laughs) Well, what I was thinking is when you're talking about temporarily out of service, boy, what a great phrase for parents to use. I'm sorry, the dog is temporarily out of service. Yes. What a great phrase. Oh, see, Valerie is the gift that keeps giving. Yeah. You can actually order little cute temporarily out of service uh-huh. signs. What a wonderful crate sign. Right. Well, you know what I did for Zuzu for the gate for the gate is when I she needed the, the kids when they were living here needed to know that Zuzu was a there was a sign on my gate and when the gate was closed it said Zuzu's alone zone. Nice. And so I mean something along that line, a sign of like temporarily out of service or, you know, Fifi's alone zone. Or something that the kids can can really understand, um, because the thing is, what what I didn't want the grandkids to feel like was like, I'm sorry, my dogs had enough of you, go away, right? <laughs> so what I so, wanted them to understand is that you know, Sophie, you don't always want Edward there with you. Sometimes you want some time alone. Same thing with Zuzu. Sometimes she this is her alone zone. So. I think phraseology is really important, but I love the temporary ladder service. It it does. I know the last time we had like some construction work done on the house, we had some electrical stuff done. I moved the sensitive dogs into my bedroom and in their crates and then closed and locked the door and put a sign on the door that said, beyond this door, there be dragons. Right. So it was kind of a jokey way of saying, like, please do not go there. Like the dragons are under the stairs. Leave them there. But one of the things that I think is really hard for families in colder climates is all of a sudden we hit winter and the dog going and hanging out outside goes off the list. And that's a really like think about how many times we talk about like give your dog a frozen Kong and send them out into the yard or grab a handful of their food and scatter it in the grass and send them out into the yard. Well, all of a sudden, unless you have, you know, a Samoyed, it, that's not working so hot for you, right? If, if you have a short haired, our little Jack Russell Terrier thinks that this turn in weather is like disastrous. He absolutely hates it. 
he he goes outside immediately takes care of business and the dog who likes to be outside is like let me in it's cold out here you know lady it's cold outside that's right (laughs) so so you know i mean we're going to be over that in march but when i think about the people in ohio like you guys are going to be in the thick of that for a while so i'm blessed that we're going to have 70 degree days that i can chuck the dogs outside and they can go play and lay in the sun and you know catch a knolls. But I am sensitive to those families that I'm talking to who are somewhere where the weather's changed and that's off the list of available Especially options. with with tiny little dogs who don't have dense coats. I mean, Clementine is 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 she's like a pound cake. She's just dense, right? And she's got thick fur and she's got this clumber fat layer. I mean, the, the dog <laughs> sending her outside's not an issue. Yes, you, Clemmy. Um, in fact, the bigger issue is, look, there's mud. I think maybe we should roll because, you know, I really would rather be black like Zuzu. Um, and I've never had a flatty that didn't love being outside. So I'm lucky in the sense that, but I still am very sensitive to the fact that when I send them outside, if it's snowy or it's rainy or it's icy or whatever, I don't leave them out there for a long time because you know what? You can get ice and stuff in your pads and it really hurts. So you're well, right. Or they're, or they're barking at the neighbor kids who are making a snowman. And I don't, I don't want to, like yeah. yesterday I called the dogs in because they were barking at a deer and my neighbor's deserve to have some peace too like having the two yahoos out there yelling at the deer for half an hour (laughs) is not okay with me and the deer is you know they're neighborhood deer so they are completely unimpressed they're like there's a fence shut up stupid dog (laughs) right so i'm sensitive to what's my dog learning on the yard like are they learning to menace the neighborhood kids well i don't want that like that that would be terrible well it depends on the neighborhood Um, kid doesn't it I mean, no, I'm, kidding. No. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I, I think about Eddie Haskell, you know, from Leave It to Beaver. They want to menace Eddie Haskell. That's okay. Beaver, not so much. <laughs> but so, Yeah. So, so some of it is, I think uh, some of the management strategies that we leaned on in good weather gets, is in truncated when there's cold weather. Right. Which is why you want to develop an indoor alone zone or someplace where the dog can go and be happy and have some time off from being the house dog. So, yeah. So let's have people give us their ideas or, I don't know, send us video or photos of their dog learning some separation from them. That would be great. Yes. And I will say this. If people will do that, Julie can decide when the cutoff is. I will... I will give a prize in in probably a snuffle ball is what I'm thinking. I'm thinking we'll we'll order a snuffle ball and get that to the your drawing of the people who send us like showing their dog having a management strategy and it's going to be on your honor that it's new. Right. Right that you're like I took inspiration from the podcast and I taught my dog how to be a little bit separate from me. And I want to be included in the drawing. Okay. So, well, I'll- let's say, because this is going to air sometime in January. How about if we make Valentine's Day the cutoff day? Okay, cool. So you have to have it to us. And you can send that to feedback at yourfamilydogpodcast.com. So, and if you're looking for suggestions on how to uh, 
get your dog to uh, train a new behavior on how to be relaxed or whatever. Um, I would suggest that one, <laughs> you look at some of our past podcasts or listen to them. And um, Tina, I think your, uh, is it six, 90 days to the perfect puppy has a lot of really good suggestions. So you can always take a look at that, especially if you have a new puppy. Tina's program is terrific and will help you to have that really well-behaved adult dog that you're looking for. So check out her 90 days to the perfect puppy. And uh, with that, I'd say thanks for listening to Your Family Dog. Remember to like us on Facebook and give us a review because that helps others to find us as well. Remember, we are on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, podbean.com, and certainly our own website, yourfamilydogpodcast.com. So make sure you like us and tell your friends about us. So thanks, and we hope that... For you, your New Year's resolution can be something that you can actually achieve, which is just a little tiny bit of peace of mind for yourself yeah, and your just, dogs. Just a little. We're asking for people, people just like even if it's set a timer for five minutes and go temporarily out of service for five minutes and know that we think that you're awesome and we want to help. And if you find a struggle reach out to us. We want to help. We do want to help. To the family we dog. might even so, give you a temporary out-of-service sign that you can hang on your office door. Ooh, there's an idea. <laughs> all right. <laughs> and with that, thanks, and we'll see you all next time on Your Family Dog. Thanks for listening to Your Family Dog. Got questions? Interesting ideas? Visit www.yourfamilydogpodcast.com to share your thoughts.